Today's show brought to you in part by our friends at Santa Anita. Huge weekend coming at Santa Anita. They're racing on Monday. That's Dollar Day, Monday, October 9th. Dollar beers and sodas, $2 hot dogs in select areas on track. Biggest thing that's relevant to everybody, even if you're not lucky enough to be near Arcadia, this Breeders' Cup Challenge Pick 6 on October 7th. A $1 minimum, three BC Challenge races from Santa Anita, three from Keeneland. It's a traditional Pick 6, $1. This one has a 15% takeout as well. They're also running these all-turf Pick 3s this meet, and uh, the $1 Pick 6 is back throughout the meet. So you're going to want to check all of that stuff out as well. For more information, go to santanita.com. Hello and welcome to an important edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show that we are recording on October 6th, a Friday, for the races of October 7th. And then later in the show, we're going to be talking a little bit about Woodbine on Sunday, October 8th. So much stakes racing going on. We did a whole special show. It's already up on our YouTube channel and our podcast feed about this BC Challenge Pick 6 with the three races from Keeneland and Santa Anita. Find that elsewhere. Nick Tamaro, me. Jeff Chappie Chapman, and Sean Borman, the inimitable Sean Borman. Man, what a potty mouth on that guy. We got that uh, We got that over in those other feeds. I say that as a joke because I think Sean's listening. He was fantastic as ever. Um, really, really good info in there. Uh, and they're a lot more creative than I am about these races. So make sure to check that out. But on this show, we're going to kick off looking at just the stakes from Keeneland and Aqueduct, Belmont at Aqueduct, that is. And to do that, we bring in the usual co-host of this program, the co-founder of In The Money Media, Jonathan Kinchin. What's up, JK? PTF, yeah, there's no delay there. I just pushed the mute button wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got you got to watch Sean Borman. He does have a bit of a potty mouth. He, uh, he, you know, he's he, you get him going, and he'll he'll go right off the rails. <laughs> he stayed on the rails. He stayed on the rails. He just just uh, you know, and, and if it's our show, I don't really care. But when it's Santa Anita sponsored, I did. I, I was hoping I wasn't going to get an, a, an angry call, but none has come in. So I, I, I feel I feel good about it. It's the beauty of live. I mean, you, and it's why it's why you reach out to a guy like Sean Borman because he gives it to you straight. And it's why his pro player shows are so popular. Uh, we had that funny joke on the air the other day from from our friend. Uh, John Gasper saying he wouldn't admit, wouldn't wish a losing streak on anybody, let alone somebody he likes as much as Sean. But he wouldn't mind if he had at least a little one, so we could get some more pro player uh, diaries back on these airwaves. But you know, we try to give you, we try to give you, give it to you straight, and give you all the perspectives that we can to help you uh, and entertain you as horse players. That's what we're all about here, and hopefully, we're going to do a little bit of that on this show as well. What's your work schedule this weekend, first and foremost? Uh, I'm on. I'm on in like an hour. Um, and then uh, Saturday I'm on, Sunday I'm on, so so every day this weekend. Full weekend. If you want to get the full um, reckoning of where you can find America's Day at the races, we have a little pretty link for that in themoneypodcast.com slash TV. I will be on uh, Sky today, uh, actually also in about an hour. And then I begged off Sunday because I'm going to go to the Orioles playoff game. I was hoping it would be a night game, but it's kind of cool to go to a four o'clock autumn playoff game for baseball even if i did have to take off the racing and i'll just watch these i'll just watch these races on my phone it'll, it'll be the sunday races on my phone it'll be cool 
There's nothing wrong with that as long as you can get a good signal in the stadium. I, I, I was slightly concerned about that. I'm going to have to I'll try to work a few angles and see what see what we can see what we can get accomplished as far as that goes. So we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not. Uh, let this. me give you this is more this is important thing for for race watchers to know when you're in a very cl- a crowded place. A yeah. lot of times people think that being on the Wi-Fi is like your best chance. Not always true because everyone's on the Wi-Fi. Sometimes you can get a little jammed up. You could try that. If it doesn't work, the other thing is, is on your iPhone, you can go, or if you have an iPhone, if you don't have an iPhone, you need to figure out some life choices that you've made and stop green texting people. But you should get, go to, go to settings and go to cellular. You can sometimes change what, if you're using 5G or LTE, sometimes getting off of 5G and going to the old school LTE will is less crowded and sometimes it's easier to stream video trying to watch races when you're traveling interesting where do you see that network obviously it's in settings but where do you settings and then like data settings and then like uh settings cellular data uh cellular data options and it'll say like roaming on and you can just kind of change the you can sometimes just kind of flip in between those can help you solve that problem i love it we're getting we're getting all kinds of uh analysis from 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 jk who's not a digital native by the way he was born in 1981 so don't let him start with this boomer crap uh, it was 82 on- but you know no big deal <laughs> even closer well no you're, you're 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 two years from being technically the same generation as me i'd just like to point that out mr mr two Smith. years is 370 something days <laughs> 370 yeah excuse me i think we That's got bad a- math this 365. Might... See, there's seven. No, it's 730 days. Sorry, sorry. Nick Cage math fails, people. It's been a minute since we had one of those on this show, <laughs> and that's a good one. That's that's a memorable one. A yeah, Let's talk about some of these races on Saturday. We'll start at the Big A, Belmont at the Big A with race number three. The the way it's Waya, right? I always get this one confused. Waya, Waya. I think it's Waya Stakes. Billies and mares three and up. We're going a mile and three eighths. Return to the races of our old pal McCulloch. But gosh, with the lack of pace in here, J.K., didn't this seem like one of these races that just has a chance to be a little more open, a little more chaotic than looking at the final figures would suggest? I was very tempted to take a shot with Romagna Mia to get the jump on McCulloch in this spot. Uh, how do you see it? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to correct you, I, I, but I, I was going to let you know it is McCulloch, and it's named after Mary McCulloch, who was uh, Chad's like first employee when he went out on his own. So uh, a, a name near and dear uh, to, to him. Um, look, the last time she was trying to close into ridiculously slow fractions, I think she's the best horse in here. I think she'll, she'll be ridden a little bit differently. It also feels like there's some more possible pace in here for her and it looks like it won't be the the 119 they went to six furlongs in last time so look i I have no problems with people that want to lean on her but i'm going to give idea generation a shot here and and here's the reason why um idea generation if if those will remember back in 2022 she was the horse that chad was extremely high on the one that he was kind of talking to a lot of people about this being the next best two-year-old he has she's also the one who got beat in the race where uh, the, the tractor didn't move. She ran second that day. So everyone who, like me, was got the info and bet her, and she got beat that day by Deuce Greathouse's horse, I think Toehead. Toehead. Beat her. Yep, definitely. That race was declared a no contest, and they refunded everything because they had horses pulling up on the backside. She never really turned out to be what Chad hoped she was going to be or thought she was going to be, but she's always shown a little bit of talent. And just maybe, just maybe the answer to the question for her is, 
going these longer kind of distances, the mile and three eights. Maybe that's what she needed to be able to show the talent that she had hinted at early in the mornings at a big price. I'll give her a shot in here. Um, she's the type of horse I would use in contests, things like that. But I think Mikulix is the winner. One five or five one? Should I list it for you? Uh, I mean, one five for cuteness, but I mean, I, I you know, I'm I'm not. That's why these these shows can be and these picks can be tricky. I, I mean, I, I don't I really don't care. I mean, five one, I guess. But for the EV police that are out there that have nothing <laughs> better to do with their lives than one five, whichever way you like it. However <laughs> you want to spin it. Uh, it's an interesting idea on idea generation. And I mean, you make a great point about the distance. We were talking, we had our long conversation recently about gallopers and the two sires we came up with as examples of gallop gallopers are both in idea generations pedigree, Dubawi on the top, Galileo on the bottom. So this is one who certainly should benefit from the opportunity to get a little bit more time to get going. So I'm very sympathetic to that idea. I'm going to steal that one and put under Ramon Yamiya. I'll try probably foolishly to take on Mikulik in this spot, but it certainly would not be the first or last time. Chad Brown kicks sand in my face. Let's move to group one action, group one, grade one action in the, uh, in the, in the Joe Hirsch classic. Then I almost compounded the mistake by calling it the Clement Hirsch. Oh my goodness. Uh, need another cup of coffee here, JK. Interesting race here where we have the rematch of the top three from last year's Breeders' Cup turf. Who do you think is going to win this time around? Well, I mean, look, I, I don't need Warlike Goddess. I, I think she's, she's kind of seen her best days. Um, and, and, you know, and, and she's always just so kind of, you know, when she's facing the Phillies, she would beat them no matter what, but she's never had a ton of success facing the top notch boys. Now she's faced boys before, but not the top notch boys. She always has kind of a cut below. She's one of those horses where like maybe the rider changed to, to junior and, and him doing something different with her could wake her up, but she's going to be such a short price and, and into the teeth of two horses that I think are probably better than her anyways. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be keying on, on Rebels Romance here uh, quite a bit. I think the horse should be able to rebound. I, I think the horse is probably going to win the Bowling Green despite uh, the, the unfortunate situation that happened um, when he dropped the rider. But I, I'm going to officially pick Stone Age one more time. Stone Age is a horse who's got some tactical speed. Um, I uh, Over the summer, I, I went with – and this is – I'm just I, – I went to the, to, to the barn um, one morning just like showing people around and and it just so happened to be a day at Chad's where Stone Age was training. And it, this horse has been a, a complete project for Chad to try to get him to relax. He's super studdish. And you saw that in the rate and the running of his last race. He puts his, you know, one of his best riders on and he goes out by himself and just all of these things because the horse is a little bit of a nutcase. <laughs> and he showed that last time when he wouldn't relax. And I'm just hoping that with a little bit with the race under his belt, um, a little bit more understanding of him from his last run, last run. Maybe the rider changed different hands from Flavian to, to, to Irad, which doesn't, there's no science to suggest that's going to work. I mean, they both are great riders, but who knows? Maybe it changes. Maybe just maybe Stone Age will not get in his own way this time around. If that's the case, I think he could beat these other horses. Now, if he goes up there and acts like a ding dong again and, and continues to be kind of the problem that he's been, then he'll get beat again. He'll get tired. He'll pull and he'll get beat again. But at a price beating, you know, with Rebels Romance and Warlike Goddess taking money, I'm going to try to use Stone Age one more time. To me, you only need Stone Age and Rebels Romance. Um, I'll let Warlike Goddess beat me. I'm all about Rebels Romance in this spot. I agree. The horse was traveling and I think about to do some good stuff last time when dumping the rider. 
you might get a little bit better price than you should on Rebels Romance here because the form, you know, you, you can make an argument, oh, he's just sputtered since the, the Breeders' Cup turf win. But I mean, you know, I really don't think the, the I'm not going to hold the maiden race against the maid on race against him. And then, like we said, the comeback or the horse was bet to two to five and didn't really get a chance to, to compete. Anything like this horse's uh, a race is going to get the job done. I've got a goofy one, much more for verticals in here. Don't really think the horse can win. May use for a penny on top, but definitely for third. And if you're if you're a UK or Irish person who has a chance to maybe sneak an extra place in an each way bet. Grand Sonata has some decent graded form. Obviously none of it came against the field, anything like as talented as this, but I just feel like when you're handled this carefully by a trainer, like Todd Pletcher stepping up to this, looking at the blood, the 12 furlongs could help. This horse has run close to stone age before. I mean, look, I'm making a case for a horse. that's going to be 20 to one 31, that kind of thing. But I do think Grand Sonata makes a little bit of sense as one who could come and get a little piece of this in a race where I feel like there is an opportunity for a lot of the other horses who are going to catch money to maybe not get the right kind of setups, maybe maybe run out for different reasons. Maybe this one can run third and uh, Rebels Romance can win and we can cash a decent trifecta in this spot in race number four. You give Grand Sonata any count at all or you think I'm dreaming here? Uh... I mean, I don't, I don't want to say you're dreaming. I think you're probably just dozing off a little bit. <laughs> Should we proceed to race five or you have anything more on this? No, let's roll. Frizette is up next. Two-year-old Phillies going a mile on the dirt, a field of six. This is the spot where Emery is going to go. Is that what we understand? Uh, you know, he's, I think he crossed into a few. Yes, um, I would think is in that today. Oh, we should have scratches. Do you have Keeneland scratches yet? That'll tell us definitively. We, we can stallify for a minute if you want to look that up. It's late enough that the scratches might even be in time form US if you want to go. Uh, if you want to go and look that way, yeah, Brad Cox. I mean, look, I don't blame him. He's trying to find the best spots for his horses. But I mean, gosh, between between the the Brad Cox cross entries and then Big Invasion being cross entered and. A, in a race we'll talk about in a minute here and in Woodbine. It, it makes it awfully hard for us uh, talking about these races several days in advance, doesn't it? it scratches and changes Friday, October 6th. What race? What's the race number? Oh, Emery scratched from race nine. So Emery's running here, which is uh, which yeah. is a very important, uh, very important change because I think Emery's going to get the right kind of trip then just sitting off of uh, just FYI. I, I think, uh, honestly, I think it's just going to take all the beating here. Uh, I'm going to keep it pretty simple and land with Emery. Who do you like in the present? Yeah, I mean, that feels simple, but like, I don't know. I mean, if you got a monster, are you, are you cross-entering trying to worry about where you show up? If you, uh, do you, just, you know, I just, uh, I mean, sure, on paper, you know, with, with one race under her belt, she looks like the horse to beat. But just FYI is not too far off of her. Um, uh, you know, life talk, not too far off of her. And Irish Maxima, not too far off from her. So, um, you know, yeah, she's probably the likely winner um, and, and, and a horse you want to use. But I'm going to look to include Irish Maxima, the one, and the and the five, just FYI. I'll pick the one, Irish Maxima. She ran pretty fast last time. She's got speed and she's drawn inside. So you'd like to kind of see that one, you know, there's one, and, and you get a rider that isn't, you know, a name stay on the New York on the New York circuit, but there's, there, what, what's the rider supposed to do? Go out there and just go. It's like he, he's going to be out there making 900 decisions and, right. you know, just kind of pop away from there from the inside 
and, you know, kind of play a little bit of come and come and catch me if you can. And, and when you have these horses that are stretching out or running for their second lifetime start, man, it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen because it, it, there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of reason for improvement. There's a lot of reason for regress for regression. You know, Embry won on a muddy racetrack. How, how do we know that that racetrack didn't move Embry up? So I'll be spreading in here one, two, five, and six. But uh, I, I think the value is, is including the one and the five, uh, just FYI, and Irish Maxima. I think part of the case for Emery is how much better she's supposed to be going this distance, being out of a street sense dam and by more than ready. And I also just, I just love that draw, giving the rider options in these short fields can turn into tactical affairs. And, you know, Manny Franco rides real well around here. doesn't hurt the case either. I mean, I hear you, but I'm going to take a little bit of a stand. JK taking the spread approach. One, two, five, six, six for me in the frisette. Let's move on to the Belmont Turf Sprint, a race that's extremely hard to talk about without knowing where Big Invasion is going to be competing at the weekend. Have you heard any gossip? You're, you're usually good at this game. I haven't, but I'll just be honest. The, you know, if I, I, I haven't heard anything, but I will say this. If I own Big Invasion and the way that the turf course has been, have been you know, there's been a lot of rain and, and New York's being very safe now with the turf and with the rain, I would see, I could understand cross-entering because, you know, if it's sprinkled, they might take it off. And as a dirt, as a as a Breeders' Cup prep, you can't afford to not get a race in. So I, I would imagine they would just run at home out of his stall or across the you know I don't know what's the word or across the, the island. What, 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 how do you say that? If the horse is stable to Belmont or I don't know, I'll let you Long Islanders figure that out. Nice. I, I think he'll probably run here, but I, I I have no information about that. It's my prediction. So you think he's going to go here? Do you like him in the race? I love. I mean, I think he's going to win the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Um, not because I don't love Caravelle and think she's outstanding, but because I think that Caravelle is going to get some pressure. And I think that Big Invasion might be actually one of those horses who's better the shorter that he goes. I think that his kick is devastating uh, going six. I think it's, I think it's, it's it might be, uh, it might be unbeatable going five or five and a half on a firm turf course. It's Santa Anita with real pace to close into. So uh, I do, I like him in here a lot. I think he's one of the best turf sprinters in the world. Any others to come with him? Today's flavor is always interesting. Turf sprinting, um, and, and it, you know he ran well last time. Turf sprinting, he, he's obviously fast as, as as heck, and we know how I feel about speed um, in a in a in a turf race in a turf sprint. So uh, I only need those two. I, I would use I would use today's flavor and uh, big invasion as the only two I would use, and I would press up big invasion. Um, the only one I'll mention, other one I'll mention is Wit, who's got a lot of talent, obviously. But I, I just feel like the trip that, that gets Wit the win is the same trip that gets Big Invasion the win. And I think Big Invasion is better playing this game. I might list him as a backup for you in case Big Invasion doesn't go here or for people playing verticals. I want to ask you about Nothing Better, who I we're, – we're very similar in this race. I mean, Big Invasion would be my top pick. I certainly get today's flavor, who beat Nothing Better the last day. But I thought from the outside draw um, with maybe a little bit more speed early that th there was a world in which Nothing Better could get the job done from the outside. Do, do, do you, you do not like him, obviously, as, as much as today's flavor. What is it about him that you don't like? Oh, well, I just, he's, he's let me down a lot this year in circumstances in which I thought he would be extremely tough. And he's got to look at a horse. He's going to have to look a horse in the eye who's got one way of going in, 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 in today's flavor, who likes to be forward. You know, he, he, the pace was slow last time, 
and they were probably doing a little experimenting with him on the turf for the first time. But knowing that he handled it now and knowing George Weaver, George is not one of those people that has a fast horse and says, hey, let's rate him here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think he'll have to deal with today's flavor and he'll have to deal with the best horse he's ever dealt with closing into him in Big Invasion. Well, it's a fair, it's a fair. And he's drawn and he's drawn in a situation where he's, it's inevitable. He's going to be, he's going to at least be two wide around there. If not three wide. I'm going to, I'm going to keep him in the mix. One twelve seven for me, one seven for JK with maybe a little bit to 10, uh, 10 moving way up for JK. If big invasion does not go, we're going to skip the seventh. We'll go right to the eighth where we've got the champagne, these two-year-old grade one action. It sounds like Timberlake is going here. Uh, sounds like the word on the street. Uh, I'm glad because I think that helps make the market for fierceness, who I think is just going to roll in this spot. This is a horse. Yeah, it's another one. Has a one six furlong muddy race stretching out to a mile. But I mean, again, on pedigree, isn't fierceness supposed to be better going a mile in the hands of uh, in the hands of Todd Pletcher? I, I'm I'm not messing around in this spot. I'm singling fierceness and moving on. I you know I get the case for Timberlake, but I you know and and maybe. I just, I can argue you back and forth. I mean, yes, he did a lot of running with a tricky trip in the hopeful, but I think to invest too much in that, we might be putting too much attention to a trip in a slow race. And that's why I'm just singling fierceness and moving on. How do you see the champagne? Um, well, I, did you, you think Timberlake's running there? Or what did you see? Cause I, I don't, I don't know anything. I'm oh, just yeah. saying if I own Timberlake. What's that? I, I just heard he was running here. Not definitive. Okay. But yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's the decision they make. I mean, I know they've always been really high on the horse. I mean, me personally, I, I would rather I would rather not have to run against general partner and uh, fierceness. I'd rather run just against locked. But uh, that's why I guess I don't own any horses. I mean, look, I, I think Timberlake is talented. Um, I actually talked to Florent Giroux that night after the race. And he just said he wasn't comfortable in there um, at, at Saratoga in the hopeful and that he had, he was water skiing early in the race. He had, he broke slow and then rushed up in there and then just wasn't comfortable. And when he asked him, he was empty. So it makes me wonder if he's that monster that we kind of all thought he is. Maybe he's got some, maybe he's, he's not fully figured out. Uh, fierceness. Uh, look, he could run off the screen, but he's going to be a short price um, on a sloppy racetrack. I'm going to go with general partner who I thought was impressive. Um, in that second start. And, and I thought he ran well in the first start, chasing Valentine Candy, who basically jumped out of the gate seven lengths in front of everyone else on debut. General Partner came back and ran extremely well with a high number um, in that second maiden race. And, you know, this is kind of the plan all along for Chad after that win. So the same could be said for Fierceness. This was the plan all along. So I think the price is going to be right on General Partner. And I'm not totally against Timberlake. It's just he did enough. I was all in on him in the hopeful and he disappointed, so now he has to re-earn my trust. And if he runs well here, then I could see myself getting all warm and fuzzy and excited about him, but he's got to prove it based on how he ran last time. In terms of official picks, do you just want me to go four, or do you want me to go four? No, no, I'll do general partner. I mean, it just depends on what sequence you're playing, right? I think it matters. You know, I want general partner as an A. I'm not really, you know, I don't, I, I, I suppose for, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's why official pick. I mean, you can make them. Just make them. I don't really care. Make them A's. Make them B's. Whatever. You know, whatever your heart desires. It because it doesn't. It matters how you're playing it as to where they should be, and whether you're playing. 
Do you want to be stood against those others, or do you want me to mention? No, 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 no. I'm not stood against them. I mean, fierceness could run off the screen, and and I single Timberlake in the in the in the hopeful. So I, I don't. I I think that they're real I horses. I just think the value is general yeah. partner. And to be fair, the way I really would like to do it is general partner is like a double A, and Timberlake and fierceness is A's. Gotcha. That's but I think for that's, the simplicity's sake of what we're sending around. I'll just grade them A's and B's, and people will get the idea. And people who listen to the show get uh, the, the benefit of getting to hear the entirety of uh, the entirety of the logic. Uh, good stuff. All right, let's move on. We've got uh, the Jockey Club Derby up next. Grade three action. We're going a mile and three eighths. We've got Rebels Romance's brother in here, right? Isn't that what measured time is? Undefeated Appleby runner coming over. Um, should be suited to the USA configuration. Might be the kind of horse who's absolutely bet off the screen in a way that uh, that is uh, is a little much. But I still am making this horse my top pick, and I'll put Webslinger second as one who uh, pretty much fires every time. Has really established himself as a as a good three year old, and if measured time isn't the second coming of Rebels Romance, just might be better than the rest of these. One three for me in the Jockey Club Derby. What do you think? Well, I mean, this feels like a, a move of Charlie. You know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of your beer, right? Like, get him over here, run him, uh, run him in in a, a you know, run him in a, in a restricted race, uh, and then keep him here and ship him out to California and didn't get him ready for the for the turf. Um, he, he looks better on paper than the rest of these. When you look through the American horses, there's, I mean, you just you know, some almost there's a couple of good ones in here, but the most of them feel like just kind of glorified stakes types, right? I mean, there's nothing that really grabs you by the soul and if you look at measure times time form us numbers they're right there in the mix of what you'd want to see the only one that i would also use is web slinger and this is a duke matisse special duke uh, really liked this horse in the american turf at churchill when he won uh was 22 to 1 that day and and, and he's always kind of liked this horse liked him uh liked him against uh, uh in the saratoga derby in that grade one where he ran well and just got beat by program trading so to me, he's the best of the U.S. horses. Um, I would kind of, you know, uh, you know, same situation. To be fair, you can you can grade it how you want. I would single A, uh, double A, excuse me, measure time the one, and then I would use Web Slinger as as an A as well. And the reason you do that for people that play the ABC game is when you use the Bs, you 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 limit your ability to to hit it as much as you'd like to, or you can't be wrong three times. You can't have three, you know, if, 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 if two other B's win and then you have web slinger as a B, then you're not going to hit it. And I, I, I don't, I don't, I have, my opinion is not that weak on web slinger to make right. him a B. I'd still want a two B ticket to a hit. And the only way to do that is to keep web slinger as an A, but at the same time, I want measure time more. So you have to do a double A. And the way that you do a double A basically is you just make multiple runs. You have to make another run basically uh, of an AB run singling measure time, if that makes sense. It does. It's a great description. And, and I see it very, very, very similarly. Um, we'll also shout out Philip Shelton, who gave out Web Slinger as part of our Derby final answer show from Medallion Racing. Um, and was really the only reason I ended up throwing Web Slinger in was the nice shot. I hadn't talked to Duke. But I got that nice shout from Philip and looking at the race more. That's the only reason I hit the darn thing. So uh, would have been better off with the seconded one. But hey, uh, better was certainly a lot better than ripping. So thanks to the likes of Philip and Duke, the kind of people 
you know, I mean, I'll say this. I'm gonna just, we don't do, obviously, we, we avoid anything touty like the plague. It's just sort of part of our ethos over here. But I will say this about some of these people we have on these shows, JK. They're, they're really the only people that I will ever blindly or near blindly throw horses into a sequence on their say-so when you got a guy like uh, Duke Matisse, who we're fortunate enough to have come on these airwaves as recently as last weekend. No, I mean, look, I, 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 I'm, there's, you know, I am not one of those people who is often influenced by other people's opinions, not because I think mine is so great. It's just because I, if I'm going to lose, I just want it to be my fault <laughs> that I lose. Um, and, you know, and, and, and this is a game of opinion. Like if you, if you listen to everyone else, then basically you're going to hear everyone else. And you're not going to be as narrow or as focused as on your play as you should. But to your point, there is players that I uh, I agree with their their uh, their process. I agree with their mindset, their creativity, their opinion, their knowledge enough that if they say something, I say to myself, "Oh, maybe I'm not seeing this clearly. Maybe I have a prejudice that has me." not seeing this correctly, or maybe they're seeing something that my brain wasn't seeing, but I trust their way that they got there. You know, Sean Borman, Duke, Nick Camaro, uh, Paul Matisse, uh, Mike Maloney, you know what I mean? Like those are guys where I'm, Oh, okay. Maybe I missed something, you know? And, and I, but no, I think just flipping through some Twitter and hearing someone say they like so-and-so is not enough for me to, to really ever be influenced. And there's a couple of different ways you can use it. I love what you said there. That's definitely right. In some instances, you just go back and you vet it. And then you either decide, okay, I'm going to try to work this horse in. Or, you know what, I understand this case. But the way I have my tickets constructed, I'm going to stand against. But in the Web Slinger example, it's a perfect example. This was a race where I was using five anyway. So it's like you hear a compelling case and you're already using five. You know, how strong is your opinion when you're using five? It ain't that strong. So you might as well include the other horse that uh, somebody whose opinion you respect likes in that in that situation. So, yeah, including in spread races, I think, is one of the most useful things we can do on the show for listeners. You know, when they're when, when in a race where you, the listener, are going to spread and we can make a case on a compelling long shot. You know, that's helped a lot. Of, I know from the emails I get that's helped a lot of people cash a lot of tickets over the years. Let's go to Keeneland, my friend. We got a bunch more races to talk about. Um, we've been having all these super short editions of the show today. We're, we're getting, we're getting into a, into a proper length here with all this great stakes racing. We'll start with race number six, the grade two Woodford stakes. We're going five and a half on the turf. And, uh, this is one where I think you got to start with the, the import number two, live in the dream recently seen, um, looking fantastic at York in the Nunthorpe. Uh, I asked our friend Rob Dove, one of the top 10 pro punters in the UK today, what kind of figure he would have estimated the horse would have gotten that day on the buyer scale. He said 107, 102 for the previous races. If this horse is going to run to those kind of figures, I think the rest very likely running for second. Now, we've seen this before. Very hard sometimes for these Euros. They, 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 in our configuration, they don't break so well. They get outpaced, et cetera, et cetera. So I want another one as well. The other one I'm going to try to use is number eight, our shot who I just think is in cracking form, really well suited toward these uh, five and a half um, configurations. I'm going to play it two eight. Very curious to get your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, look, I mean, when you look at Timeform US, one of the best tools, they have like a really kind of in-depth trip note uh, or comment when you look at Timeform US for foreign races. And it says, you know, up in grade, showed much improved form. But the, the sentence or the phrase that I like the most, broke well, made all, went with zest. 
So that means that it's not a typical turf sprinter that you see over in Europe where they take back, make one run. So from the inside post, this horse should pop away from there. And then what the Euros love, even even in the other, you know, this horse made the made every every poll the winning one last time, but they're gonna get the cover to be able to then shut off and not be ranked in a situation. And the pace is gonna be fast enough that this horse will probably just gallop in behind, save ground, and then be able to kind of produce that kick. So this is one of the turf spinners that I do like, and that 131 time from US time form US last time, that's a serious, serious number. And I will take that horse into consideration. And then the other one um, is Coppola that I want to kind of have as a B horse. Um, Coppola is, is a horse that has run some big numbers throughout. And Dale Romans, um, if you look up at, uh, up at Saratoga, the horse ran and, and was second that day. And, and I actually saw Dale the night before, and he said, I like the horse, but he's not doing as well as he was at, earlier in the year. Back to like Churchill, we ran that really big number. And now it seems like he's kind of back going as well as he was. So I think he's interesting and one that I would consider. I'm going to try to beat our shot in Beer Can Man. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna try to get this European horse home drawn towards the inside with that big number. 2-7 for JK. I like it. 2-8. Uh, and JK is telling me that our shot has no shot. I don't know about this. No, I like the horse. I'm just going to try to beat him with horses that I think are better. Fair enough, fair enough. I just wanted to get that in there. I should, though I should have done it with the Andy Byer impression. No shot. That's the much more popular <laughs> way of saying that phrase. Let's move on to race seven. We've got the Thoroughbred Club of America stakes. This is the one that leads off the BC Challenge pick six, if I'm not mistaken. And I was so basic in here, JK, that I'm just going. And that's number six, Yagiri, who I thought really looked like the probable best speed. I like the draw from the outside for her. I, I mean, I pretty, pretty much like everything about her. And then, you know, while I have my questions about Wicked Halo, I do think there's a world in which, you know, she runs her A race. I think she can win and she looks like the best closer. So I was just going to be super basic. Six is an A, one is a B, move on. Do you have anything clever in here? No, I just need those two horses. I need them both as A's. Wicked Halo doesn't run bad. She ran bad last time. She didn't have a great trip. She got a Hall of Famer in Steve Asmussen, the most, uh, the winningest trainer in North American history, who perseveres with her after that poor performance, shows up in this spot. I think she'll run much better. Those are the only two I need, the one in the six. We had a lengthy conversation with Sean and Nick, with Nick and I giving count to the idea that the Asmussen numbers the last few years at Keeneland have actually been just so much worse than his baseline. And Sean Borman not buying the argument at all. Um, where do you stand on that? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me why. It's like, if stats are bad, I'll try to make them make sense. But if they don't make sense, then I ignore them like they don't exist. Gotcha. Like, like you can't, like, this idea that Steve Askewson is this unbelievable 20% trainer everywhere else. When he shows up at Keeneland, he just can't figure it out. I just, I think it's more circumstantial. I think it's more, um, you know, he, he, he's, you know, he's, it's, it's following up. It's, it's early in the year in the spring. You know, it's like it's 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 after the summer in the in the fall, and like it's you know, I just I'm not you know maybe he's also running most of his big horses at Churchill, kind of prepping for the Breeders' Cup. I just yeah. I don't I don't uh, I don't see any. It doesn't make sense to me. 
So I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it bother me. Believe me, I obviously I picked the horse. I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't sway me too much, but it does stick in my head. It is a thing that makes me go, mm, I will say that about it because it is, it's just, I, I agree. I think there's probably a lot of randomness in there, but it's just enough that it just makes me like consider it. And then in the case of a horse like Wicked Halo, I consider it and then I discard it because I think she just fits too well and I'm not going to let subtle, flaky, aspects of handicapping dissuade me from my fundamentals, which is what, where, that's what I want to, I want to win and lose with my fundamentals and use that other stuff to help, you know, grind and um, make last minute changes and do things to afford budgets and, and, and get cute. That's when I might use one of those super soft factors, but I'm not going to use it to leave out the horse. I think is going to get a great trip and, and be the best closer. Let's go to the first lady race. Number eight on the card rematch here between in Italian and white beam for me, there was just too much difference, a little bit too much difference in the morning line for me, JK. I kind of wanted these two equally. Um, and, and I guess that means officially I'm going to pick it two, three. Do you think in Italian's just going to blitz him here? What, what do we think happened last time? You, you have any insight? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm of the belief that she is, and I, and I talked to Doug O'Neill about this recently on, on uh, JK plus one uh, golden sense. Uh, Nick's go uh, American Pharaoh. She's one of those horses. I think that her weapon is her speed. And I think that going 49 or going slow is, is not her advantage. And I think her advantage is, is running. And I think that, that, that I think that she'll be a little bit more aggressive in here. And switch I think she'll pop rider. away from there. A critical switch of rider. If you look at the pace figures with Rosario in the irons, as opposed to Irad, Rosario let her roll more. So what you're saying yeah. makes perfect sense that, that you might see the really a plus version of an Italian if, if she gets, cause she's going to probably get the ride that you're looking for. Yeah. She's got all that time to kind of reset and for chat, you know, Chad obviously knows her and to get her, I guess, I think she's going to be tough. And I, and uh, I, I'd single in Italian as an a, and I'd use white beam as a B these other horses in here. You know, they're just kind of cut below types to me, you know, Evie jets, cool horse, cool connections, but this ain't Chad's, this ain't Chad's B team. This ain't technical analysis that, that you're going to try to beat. This is an Italian and white beam. You're going to try to beat. And uh, I think, you know, it's funny, actually, she did beat every jets did beat white beam um, earlier this year, but I think that was a completely different situation. Uh, I just need the other two. I hear you. I- I'm going to play them pretty equally. I agree with everything you're saying that might be right about an Italian, but I still think it's just too much between the two in prices for a horse that just beat the other horse and is also just incredibly progressive four-year-old who might not be done getting better in the first lady. Okay. Breeders Futurity up next. This is the other place where Timberlake might run, but I don't think so. I think it's going to be, you got a very heavy favorite here in the form of number nine locked. I'm also super interested in awesome road. I think I'm going to spread in this race, but a wise, I mean, we'll talk about Awesome Road first. Very impressive winner, first out. And this is another one where on pedigree, you'd swear this distance was much um, short of this one's best. Remember, there was that stat for all those years about AP Indy Firsters at Saratoga and the bad record. I think it was going five, to be fair, but like like none of them ever won going five because they just needed more ground. And this one won going six, but still. My point is the quality road out of an AP Indy dam should really be just getting going start, getting started at six furlongs. Awesome road supposed to run better. And the form of that race is really good. Two have come back to win 
And uh, just looking at the workout tab, I don't have a workout report or anything, but looks to be training forwardly. Locke, just super obvious, huge fig, look great. Only one has come back to run from that race, but improved the fig by nearly 20 points. I see no reason to, to stand against. But then I definitely see wise guy cases you could make for runners like the one, the six, the eight even, horses, the six of the eight, who both you know have a race going longer and have shown a little bit of an ability to finish. So I'm going to play it 3-9 on the A-line, 1-6-8 on the B-line, and, and probably more or less try to survive and advance here. How do you see it? Uh, I just texted Florent Giroux, and Timberlake is running a New York, so we can stop speculating about that. For me, it's locked. Uh, I think the draw is perfect for him. Um, I saw Jose, I think I saw him at Salivo the night after locked one, and he was like, man, this horse is so good. He's got so much more, like like he's got so much more in, in the tank. And so whatever the figure you see, I think there's more there. He's been working with fierceness, which shows, um, shows uh, you know, I think so much talent this horse has. And, and to be fair, uh, I, I might look at this a little differently. The fact that 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 that, uh, that Brad made the decision to take Timberlake to New York, that might be more of an indication of how good he thinks Locked is. So uh, Locked for me, it's all I need, ice cold. And or how good he thinks Awesome Road is. Right. I mean, it could be it could be it could be, it could be any, either of those. We got more racing to talk about, if you could believe it. Marathon edition of the show. Next up and last, we have the Coolmore Turf Mile Grade 1 action. This is one of the three races this weekend that I have full write-ups on, horse by horse, over at attheraces.com. My angle in here, Jonathan, was to actually try to beat Master of the Seas. We'll see if I regret it. But we've talked so much about you know him as being maybe a little bit more of a galloping type. And I think there's some serious competition uh, in here up to the mark. Obviously, uh, this wasn't plan A. Well, I, should, I say obviously. It's not obvious. But knowing what we know now, this wasn't plan A. It was supposed to run a couple of times. Things kept getting moved around. It was originally Breeders' Cup turf was the target, now being rerouted to the Breeders' Cup mile. I don't love any of that. But, I mean, just looking at the horse's PPs, major, major contender. I ended up going back to Annapolis. This is a horse I think is going to get the jump on the deeper closers. Ran the race of his life in this race last time. I feel like he could tell stories for the last several, um, mainly not really being suited by Kentucky Downs. And then I think the margin of loss was exaggerated by the trouble late. Wasn't going to win or anything, but I don't think handled Kentucky Downs and then, uh, you know, had trouble late. And then I just, you know, I think Kaza Creed's really flipping good. And I don't think there's really any shame to those two losses to Kaza Creed at Saratoga. And it doesn't have to deal with that rival here. Annapolis for me, I'm also going to use up to the mark and maybe just a little bit of a set piece. Um, as one who, if I'm right about Master of the Seas, maybe set piece can be the closer to come and uh, grab third late or even go better if they go too fast. That's how I see it. Nine, five, and four. Where are you in the Coolmore Turf Mile? Well, I mean, I, I thought that I thought, you know, earlier this year that up to the mark was the best turf horse that we had in this country. Now, he obviously had a setback that prevented him from running at Saratoga, and it looks like this is kind of the stepping stone to the next step. So, Look, I mean, Todd Pletcher getting one ready off of a break. He had a pretty significant campaign leading up to this, so it's not like he lost too much uh, of, of of his fitness. Um, I'm going to pick up to the mark as the winner in here. I just think he might be that good. He'll be make for a very interesting Breeders' Cup, depending on what race he goes in. I don't know if he would take a step going longer, but I would think he would probably show up in the mile, uh, make it a very interesting race. We know he likes North American racing, right? the tight turns. He's ran well at, at Churchill so on and so forth. So up to the mark for me. Set piece is interesting. 
the thing about set pieces is that he's just such a tricky horse. You know, he seems like a tricky horse uh, to, to, to ride and talking to Florent about he's going to go to New York to ride Timberlake. So Flo is the one who knows set piece the most, in my opinion. And now he's going to be without mm-hmm. his old buddy. Um, and I think that's a little bit of a concern. Master of the Seas is a horse that I'll use, um, but I'm really using this race more as an information gatherer for what will be a significantly bigger opportunity come uh, the first Saturday in November. Five, four, and one to close it out for you. I don't need set piece. Is that set piece one of those? I don't. I just I walked away from the. Yeah. Yeah, I don't need set piece without. I don't need set piece without flow. I think the five or the one win up to the mark or master of the seas. Not buying my Annapolis case at all. No one did really on the show last night. I think late on, I convinced Nick maybe a little bit, but uh, no. Annapolis is one of those horses to me. He needs like a perfect scenario. He needs like a he needs a mile race to be run exactly the way he needs it to be run, or he needs a mile and an eighth race to be run exactly the way he needs it to be run. Sure, that could happen, but I'm not waiting on. yeah, that's that's my part of my case for him is I think this will be what he wants, where he's you know chasing inferior speed and he'll get the jump on the deeper closers. But I think I, but I think that's I think that's so I maybe that's the case. But I think the, that's kind of cementing my point as well that he'll be short enough of a price, and you know he'll be single digits. He'll be an alternative to these other ones. He'll be short enough of a price that he'll need things to go his way, and he's going to still have to beat two horses that are better than him. That's fair. Uh, to be clear also, I'm interested if five or five to one or higher. I, I don't need this horse as a seven to two shot. I don't think it'll be that short. Uh, Set piece will take money. Yeah. This was great. A really fun getting to talk through all these races and have you on for, for a proper, uh, a really proper visit here. And uh, why don't we do, to, why don't we do it again next week? PTF, I'm there. We'll be back right after this. We have a new sponsor here at In The Money Media. Wanted to tell you about It's Cut, K-U-T-T. This is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal in 37 states plus D.C. where you can bet on sports, politics, and pop culture. Cut handles the payment side of things so you never have to chase anyone down for money. Tons of social features, group chats, betting leaderboards, much, much more. Cut, the social betting platform that lets you put your money where your mouth is. Check it out. K-U-T-T dot com. And right now we've got a special offer for In The Money Media listeners, a 10% deposit bonus up to 100 in credits when you use our promo code In The Money. Check it out now, cut.com, In The Money. Next up on the show, a little bit of a departure from our usual Woodbine where we focus on Saturday racing. We will talk about the feature on Saturday, but Sunday, a loaded day north of the border. Kind of wish I could get up there for a third time this year to see some of this top-notch stakes action that'll be going on in Toronto. And to talk about it all with us, we bring in the man we have turned to for multiple years when it comes to racing at Woodbine. You might also know him as our reigning BC BC champ or the uh, money guy at In The Money Media. He's Drew Cotney. Drew, what's up, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, fall has arrived here in Columbus and... Uh... Ready to dive into some races. Great football this weekend, so couldn't beat it. We'll get to some football later on. I think we should keep our challenges going. I'm feeling really 
blessed that we didn't get to do it. Our schedules didn't align last week. And I had this horrible idea that the New York Giants were going to keep that Monday night game competitive. So I've saved some money. I, I took you down to Chinatown week one. So I'm really I'm feeling froggy and ready to jump into some NFL action from our friends at Cut. But we'll get to that after we talk racing. And we'll start off with the featured race on Saturday. It's the Durham Cup. Mile on the 16th on the synth. Grade three action. And the horse I think you have to begin to talk about in here is the number one Algiers, who has form in the book from the Dubai World Cup that could, uh, assuming a successful return here, make him a player in a race like the Dirt Mile or even the classic, potentially, Ushba Tesoro, who beat him in the Dubai World Cup, is going to be heading to the Breeders' Cup Classic this year. Uh, what do you think of Algiers' chances in this Durham Cup? Yeah, I think the pace even sets up well, unfortunately, for Algiers that. Uh, well, we'll probably be shorter than four to five, maybe two to five for who knows, even one to nine. I don't think we'll see that type of favoritism, but you might. I think the only horse that is competitive against this one is Treason, who could sit off the pace a little bit. But, I mean, there's just so much speed. He's going to get sucked into all of that pace pressure. So I think Algier is coming off the pace for the win. Um, not much else to say. Yeah. Do, do you want to include anything else in your official picks? Or are we both just going to cede this one to Algiers and move on? Yeah, move on. Single and move on. Single and move on with Algiers in race nine. You know, the layoff is a little bit of a concern, but against this level of competition, he's really just supposed to win. He was one I, I would have uh, taken on had he gone in the original rescheduled spot, which was the, the Woodward. But I think they decided with the weather and the uncertainty about that to, to take a pass and try this easier route back to the races. I think he'll run well here. And uh, if he runs well enough, might be an interesting long shot in one of those BC races. We'll take a look at that much closer to the time. Let's pivot. Meanwhile, turn the calendar to Sunday. I'll be going to the Orioles playoff game down in Baltimore, but I will be watching racing on the phone with great interest. I hope they have strong enough Wi-Fi at uh, Camden Yards to not mess up my hmm. uh, horse betting. Worst case scenario, I guess I'll put bets in and uh, and and then deal with uh, watching everything later. But it's all always more fun to multitask when it comes to this stuff. First race we're going to talk about is race number six, which is uh, the Algonquin Stakes, 200000 in the pot, five furlongs on the inner turf. And that, that was how I, uh, really the lens through which I decided to look at this race was thinking very specifically about it being run on the inner. Let's you, let you go first in this one. Who did you come up with? Yeah, I think this is a really, really tough race, as with all of these two-year-old races are. And I think, I think split to strike looks fit to run here. And I, I don't see a ton of speed in this. So kind of gets to the front end and hangs on, ran well going the six furlongs and just kind of faded a little bit. So I can, I don't have the number in front of me of what um, split strike is. Um, Cause we're doing this before three to one on the morning line. Oh, where are you seeing morning lines at? Just came in on time form us. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Let me try and reload my, uh, there we go. Perfect. That's going to make this conversation so much more easier. So yeah, split to strike three, one, that seems like a good price and uh, gets back, keeps improving in each start. So um, that one for me, I think there's some other ways you could go as well. The three dancing duchess at six to one and also Rhapsody at eight to one. I, I think that, um, Kevin Attar thought very highly of this runner and got caught into the slow pace with, uh, coming out of golden canary and uh, dancing duchesses. So it's a hard one. It's a really hard one to kick things off. You like one of the morning line favorites. I like the, the actual morning line favorite number four, 
pip it. And the angle here is that all three from the previous race did come back to raise their figures considerably. And then I mentioned the idea of how I thought the inner was a consideration. I really just think that the sharp five furlongs around the bend is going to suit this horse. Quality road, better on turf than on scent. This is the first time on, on uh, turf for Pippet. The quality roads are a little bit better on turf. And the mom performed on all three surfaces, but did have a top figure on grass. So a little bit of a form angle, a little bit of a pedigree angle. Unfortunately, just eight to five on the morning line. But that's my opinion. And I'm sticking with Pippet. For Drew, it's the six with a little one and three in there as we proceed to race number seven, which we've got uh, grade one action in the form of the EP Taylor, mile and a quarter on the grass, Phillies and mares, three and up. And I'm going to row back in with my pal Moira, Drew. I just was so Mm -hmm. impressed by that last race. Uh, It looked to me like a four-year-old late in the season who might just be stepping up her game that much more. I think she's going to get a great positive sit here not on the lead but second flight no worse than mid-pack and she just has a terrific cruising speed and a nice late kick i think a lot of arrows point to moira i mean unless you're a big bounce believer i I think it's actually tricky to make too many cases uh against her in here if she can run that last race back i think she could win this and win this rather easily are you a believer in moira i am not a believer in moira and not from a bounce perspective but uh you're going to have to do it again. Uh, it was over a good surface, uh, so maybe that had something to do with it. So I think I think I'm against Moira at the short price, and I'm willing to go back to the old well with number one, Fevre over. I think the inside draw helps. And overall, some good figures, and maybe that good going was just the equalizer that uh, threw the Fevre over for a loop here. So uh, Castellano aboard for uh, the second, third time uh, riding Fevre over here. But I'm also going to use a little bit of a price. I'm surprised to see on the morning line, the number two, Amazing Grace. Hasn't done too much to wow us stateside, but gets Lasix for the first time and has Davis aboard. Uh, last out was too far against the pace, and I'm going to cross the line through that. And today, the outer should fit this kind of runner, grindy style. If we get anything back to, like, the Saratoga and the Glen Falls, that seems like a pretty darn good race. So the number two amazing grace for me is going to be my second horse. I'm, I'm going skinny here with just two horses. I think you could go a lot of directions and I'll be curious to see how much money with the moonlight takes. Cause I like betting against that horse for some reason. Um, everyone loves to throw money at with the moonlight. So I'm, I'm firmly against that horse. She's got terrific form. I mean, no, no shame in that, that huge race she ran at Keeneland to in Italian. She ranged up on the turn, and there was just no beating in Italian that day. But I guess her current form with the Moonlight in question after the soft defeat at Newmarket. But, I mean, gosh, the, she has plenty of, plenty of form in the book that does win this. I just was thinking that uh, I, yeah, I just thought Moira had more appeal to me, and I, and I thought they might go overboard with, with the Moonlight, as they often do with the Appleby Runners. So we'll see we'll see how that plays out. You and I both uh, taking on with the Moonlight. You made a good case for Amazing Grace, who I do think could be the best closer and get a little piece of this. You're going 1-2. I'm going to try to get it done with Moira. You mentioned about the ground. I think it could be very similar ground to the last time. There are some showers in the forecast this weekend in Toronto. So keep an eye on that. And, yeah, definitely don't uh, don't commit with it, especially if you're following Drew's angle, that the surface might have been some of the reason for the Moira freak. It may be the exact same surface this time. So pay attention to that. Obviously, we're, it's Friday morning. That's Sunday. Who knows what's going to happen between now and then? But just uh, just a little factor to pay attention to if you're following Drew's analysis. Race number nine, we've got more grade one action. The Canadian International 
a mile and a quarter, a field of eight, big favorite in here. Appleby once again in the form of Nation's Pride. Drew, are you with her against this one? I think you've skipped a race here with race eight, the optional claimer that brings our old friend Henley's joy back in. Uh, I was, I was, I had only looked at the stakes, but let's go back. If you have a thought on race eight, hit us. I do. I do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I think Henley's joy is vulnerable here. You know, ease up when they do ease up. I I don't really take that too much for granted. I think you like betting back uh, horses that um, were eased up, but I think, I think Henley's Joy's best days are, are somewhat behind him. And I'm going to be taking two horses, uh, the number two Rockefeller, strong last workout coming off of over a year of Lasix, but gets Lasix for the first time. He can step forward as a four-year-old career and has some upside. Atard knows how to get him ready going 28% 180-day uh, layoff. And then I'm also going to use the outside at seven dollar uh, grand at six to one. Um, looks to be sitting on a big effort last out, maybe just a bit too far going the full nine furlongs and has some run some good figures and will be pressing the pace of what I expect the top choice, the number two to be setting that. So I'm going to be skinny here again and be a bit contrarian the two and the seven in this optional claimer to connect on the third leg of the pick six. Yeah, I do sometimes think you find value with horses that were eased, but I don't think that's going to be the case with Henry's joy in this spot. Um, you know, maker, you, you do a lot worse than, than trusting in him. But I mean, just based on the previous synthetic form, um, Henley's joy just looks, I agree, looks to be overbet. I didn't handicap the race properly, but I did like your case for Dolder Grand in there. I'm not going to put an official pick in our write-up for In The Money Plus. Remind folks one more time, perfect time to sign up to In The Money Plus because you'll get all of our Keeneland coverage, including the Knicks notebooks that we're going to be doing for that all the extra stuff between now and Breeders' Cup. And then you get our Breeders' Cup package, which is well worth the one month of plus the $20 of that. Going to have a lot of special contributors this year. Tyler Wisman going to be adding uh, his usual flair to those write-ups. Drew hoping to get you in there. Frank Scatoni will be writing in there. And we'll have the grid picks from JK and Nick and me for the big race and uh, many others as well. Drew's whole strategy for winning the BCBC last year was outlined in the uh, in the plus material for Breeders' Cup. Folks want to check that out. It's in the moneypodcast.com slash plus. Back to our regularly scheduled programming of the stakes. What do you think about Nation's Pride in this Canadian International? Yeah, and, and actually um, in the Breeders' Cup turf, I loved Nation's Pride in this spot last year and was afforded the opportunity not to have to bet the race. I think I just bet the $600 minimum. Um, which is a bit odd after betting 50,000 and, uh, and uh, nation's pride to the hoop for me. Godolphin ships this in one in with Buick to ride. Um, I have a note here, which is great to put these type of notes in, in DRF formulator. You can add a note that carries for the horse and not per the race. And I have trainer likes uh, the 2022 breeders cup chances better than rebels or romance. And we'll have the greater tactical speed. Thus, Buick ends up here. And guess who is here today? Buick. Um, I just don't see a ton of speed. I think this one's going to sit the perfect trip, pressing the pace, and then just plowing on by late. So, uh, Nation's Pride, I, th- I feel like this is a prep and is just much the best in this race. I tend to agree, and I'm going to mostly use Nation's Pride, but I will just tell you a little story about Hadamo. But I like the pivot here from going to the turf, the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic, to this spot. I think likely to run better second off the layoff. I thought moved a little bit early in that race last time, won by the deeper uh, closer in set piece. 
And then the other thing I just like is getting back on Lasix potentially for Adamo, who has a couple of races that could win this only. And one of them was on Lasix. So that's enough for me to get a little seven, but I'm mostly with you, Drew, and the four in uh, the other grade one on Sunday at uh, Woodbine. Let's move to the Neartic grade two action, six furlongs on the turf. Biggest question here for me, Drew, is Big Invasion going to run here or in the Belmont race? Because I'm going to probably back him wherever he goes. This is a horse I've been a fan of for a long time. Both JK and I have talked about him as a potential kind of horse that on his best day might be able to win a race like the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. So if I'm going to back him there, I'm probably backing him in whichever race he shows up on Saturday. I have not heard any inside info with this segment. I'm recording it before JK and I talk. So JK might know the answer as to where he's going. But anyway, that's that's the big unknown. If we see big invasion in here, I will definitely be uh, backing big invasion. I also thought there was a, a case to be made about county final. I've talked on these airwaves and elsewhere about how a lot of times I am not taking Kentucky Downs form so literally when these horses go to other North American courses. But I think six furlongs on the outer at Woodbine might be an exception to that because it's a very galloping turf sprint configuration, uh, not quite so much as the Kentucky Downs one, but I could absolutely see county final reproducing a race similar enough to that last one to have a big impact in here. So I'm going to write down my official picks as 11-4. I'll look at it again after scratches if Big Invasion is in fact out. How do you see it? Yeah, I have the number eight Mason as my top choice. Um, hasn't been seen since last ball, but has fired fresh in the past and today gets Lasix, which should help this one's chances. And I thought was going to be the favorite in here. Um, and the tactical speed really does help, but installed at four to one Judd Mott horse, KK aboard Chad Brown. So I really like the chances of the number eight in here to get the job done. And I'll also use for a penny, the number 10 ice chocolate. Um, I've been chasing this horse a little bit. Uh, I couldn't get it done with masters of the sea, just rolling last time the Woodbine mile. Um, but it's kind of faced all of the big names um, from Casa Creed to Caravelle and Big Invasion as well. So if you can get a bit of a pace set up, I think the number 10 Ice Chocolate could blow up the tote board. I'm not against your choice of the number 11 Big Invasion. I just don't I – mean, it's kind of one of those in-between uh, pace spots here. I think Mason's going to have the better pace advantage, saving a little bit more ground and being closer to it. So – the number eight Mason's my top choice in here, and then uh, a little saver with the 10. Mason may well be the favorite of Big Invasion Scratches and could be a heavy one, and it's a good case that you make. I mean, you just see in uh, those last two-mile races, just looks like one for whom the cutback would suit, and the fact that it's not an overly sharp six furlongs on the turf, that could play right into Mason's hands. I, I left out with the thought of I didn't want to use both the big favorites in this spot, and I do you know, think that Big Invasion is is – maybe has a chance to be special good and even a little bit better than we've seen. I think there's some excuses when you go through those uh, those PPs uh, as to why he hasn't been even just a little bit better, but uh, Mason's certainly a reasonable alternative. I didn't do the nightcap, but I'm guessing you did. Do you want to give us a thought on that? I did. I'll give you just a quick thought. It's a really hard race, and you, you could probably spread, especially of subscribing to some of the picks that were skinny in in the earlier legs. But the number four hungry go for, go, hungry wolf, has the overall best figures and ability to stay on the number two Estabovo. Uh, Estabovo. Estabovo has been uh, setting some hot paces uh, race two back and three back last out really favored get 
caught in a neutral pace. And today, Lasix and Blinkers go on. I think put it all together. So those two are somewhat interesting to me. Um, I think you could go a lot of different directions, but uh, Ostapovo at 20 to 1, I'm not going to be leaving off my tickets. Yeah, that one wins, uh, and we're alive in some late picks. It'll be uh, Julio get the stretch time up there in Woodbine on this uh, Sunday afternoon card. We're rooting in the, the late afternoon football games and hopefully have a nice ticket in hand on that one. I think you make a compelling case for Ostapovo, also interested in Hungry Wolf. Not sure if that's a Duran Duran reference or what. No, it's just right from the name. By, by City Wolf. Um, at a girl, daddy, the damn. So not much on that, that, but who knows? Maybe they're, maybe they're Duran Duran fans. We can only hope. We can only hope, Drew. Should we talk a little NFL? Speaking of the NFL, before we get out of here? Yeah, yeah. How do you want to do this? Well, let's just, we'll do it challenge style. We'll, we'll do it. You give me, um, the first week, I think we did it off air, but I gave you three games and you picked one, I think. So yeah, give me three games and I'll, and I'll, and I'll pick one. We should mention, because I'm not sure if I'm going to run a proper ad for them in this show but cut our pals doing this new form of social betting it's really fantastic you can go and you can look for open public bets like on a typical betting site but you can also directly challenge your friends or people you get to know on the site which adds this little extra level of competition and it made my very fortunate uh, one point win actually it was only a half point win over you in week one all the sweeter Drew, mm. the fact that you know mm. it, was, it was in this challenge bet situation. So yeah, the best way to use it, there is a web presence for Cut K U T T. But the best thing to do is to just download the app. Um, and I think we have a little promo code. Is it in the money? I should know this. Um, I'll look that up and I'll, and I'll hit you with it at the end of the at the end of the segment. But we do have a little uh, a little promo code as well to get you to get you something. And then eventually, I look forward to us putting out some picks on the show and having listeners, you know, get in on it and jump on one side or the other, and and you know, really having some fun with, with our friends. It's a really new fun form of betting, and uh, it's also. Due to so it's you know it's totally legal in thirty odd states, but there's some states there's some complicated reasons why you might be able to play cut in some states where you can't use other sites as well. So it's definitely something you're going to want to take take a look at. I know you've messed around with it a bunch. Uh, yeah. Right. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I love it, and you know I, I love it too because like let's say um, uh, you, you're on. You're not paying juice. Let's just put it that way. So it's very it's small. Good. There is juice, but it's tiny, right? It's like three percent to only the winner, right? Exactly. Right. So versus your typical ten percent on average. So makes it fun, makes it easy, and um, the the good guys are getting the money in this case with the, our our friends at Cut. Yeah, or or yeah, and and you know the win the winner keeping so much of the money is is uh, completely key on that. All right, give me give me a few. Let's talk a little NFL. Give me a few games you're interested in. We'll just spit. Yeah. My bet of the year right now is going to be the Texans at plus two. Um, I think I think the Texans are just the much better team and the better form versus the Falcons. I really don't understand why they think Ritter's going to be able to topple Stroud in this situation. Uh, 49ers minus three and a half. Yeah, the 49ers haven't faced much, but kind of like Nation's Pride, no sense in getting Nation's Pride fully, fully cranked up if the tougher roads are to lay ahead. And I think the 49ers have – so many fun offensive weapons to get creative with. And you know Shanahan has some playbooks uh, that are just reserved for days like this that they've circled these big games on. Um, the Cowboys are a little banged up on defense too, so that makes it tough. And then the last one is the Ravens minus four. I think the Ravens are, have injuries but have been able to move the ball and defend. Yeah, the Browns, I think that's a bit of an anomaly. 
um, with Deshaun not being able to go and uh, Chubb being out. But I think the Ravens squaring off against the Steelers, I, I look at the Steelers and they're pretty much the same as our, uh, our Browns. They, they don't move the ball a ton. The Steelers are the Browns. And I think the Ravens are going to be able to shut them down. And it's going to be 27 to 10 at the end of the day. And I know a lot of people say, oh, in these Ravens Steeler games, they're always close. And <clears throat> Mike Tomlin's making moves and he's not happy in the press conference afterwards. There's going to be changes. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's it, there's only so many things you can do. So it, it might it might be kind of let's just run the ball and see how much we can hold the clock. But at the end of the day, I trust I trust the Raven squad over Pickett and uh, and his crew. You've given me stuff to work with here because I agree with you on the first game. I don't have any opinion on the third game, but I'll take the Cowboys. I don't know that there's as much between those two teams for there to be what is it four points, three and a half. Three and a half. Would you give me four? This is the other kind of fun thing you can do on cut. I'll probably cave if you say no. <laughs> no. Four. I mean, we're going through another kind of key number. It seems like four is a key All number. Right. If it's three, we can put. If it's if it's three, you can win. Um, I'm looking right now just to double check where it's sitting. Three and a half is where it's sitting. All right, let's do th- let's do three and a half. That's fine. I you know there are some obvious there are obvious advantages for for San Francisco, but I think the I'm not that worried. A Dallas defense, to me, it's a little bit more of a next-man-up situation where I think they're going to be okay defensively. And while you do have a major uh, coaching edge, uh, I'm going to concede that. I just feel like it's more of a – it's it's. I mean, it's like – I feel like I'm getting the fair end of a coin flip. Let's put it that way. And when you're doing a sort of a friend challenge bet, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so let's I, do that. I don't – and I don't understand the argument where people are saying Dallas – you know, or why 49ers schedule has been so light. The Cowboys played the pa- Patriots, demolished them. The Jets, <laughs> Zach Wilson, God bless him. And then Danny has no dimes in his pockets. Jones with the Giants. Sorry for you on that one. So I like, I, not pretty. yeah, it's not pretty. I think it's going to be a good matchup. We're going to see who's a real Super Bowl contender after the primetime key marquee matchup of Sunday. Yeah. I also like, you know, when I'm making a real bet in football, I, I don't, you know, I'm not betting a game because it's on prime time. But I mean, this is a fun game to watch and to have a little bit of juice by having a wager with a friend as opposed to like a serious bet is is great. So I don't know if you want to challenge me or you want me to challenge you, but we'll send it out on Twitter. I'll yep. confirm about the promo code. I can't find it anywhere. I do. I do know we have one. Um, I'll try to find an ad and drop it in actually maybe right after this segment so you can hear me talk about uh cut a little bit more before we send it home but drew this was fun um i i'd wish you luck in the nfl but i'd be lying um and we'll talk soon all right good talking to you quick reminder this is the perfect time to sign up for in the money plus you'll get all of our keeneland coverage as well as our breeders cup package for just $20 if you do the month today. Of course, most people decide to keep it because uh, it's great value. You get extra shows, extra content all year long. And then around Derby and Breeders' Cup, we really blow it out, bringing in a lot of guest writers like Frank Scatoni will be in the mix doing his inimitable analysis that you're only going to get here. A grid with picks for all the major races from JK and from Nick and me and many others. Wonderful work by Tyler Wisman, Eric DeCoster, and the rest of the In The Money team. Definitely worth checking out. InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus. 
That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'd like to thank Drew and JK one more time, our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing and the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation as well. Give generously to the TRF, trfinc.org slash players. Still have a few bottles of whiskey left, folks. If you make that $200 donation to TRF, you get a chance to get a bottle of whiskey. And I believe this is the month of the Hay Drive where that 200 will be matched by another donor. Great time. You can essentially... Give 200, get your whiskey, and know that 400 is going to be going to the cause. trfinc.org slash players. Reach out to me if you want to find out more. As for 10 Strike, really looking forward to another great summer already. It's so funny to be thinking about Saratoga for next year already. But talking with Marshall last night about the ITM uh, 10 Strike joint table situation, which I hope is going to be a reality. Always great to hang with Marshall and Clay and the rest of the team at 10 Strike. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners, for making these shows so much fun to do. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. Earlier in the show, talked to you a little bit about In The Money Plus. Well, how about this? You can get a major discount on an annual race lens package and including a year of In The Money Plus. Go to inthemoneypodcast.com slash race lens to get all the details about the code you need to use. Phenomenal value here. Much more about race lens coming up. Matt Bagvolgi and I will have a show elsewhere on the network looking at some of the key prep races this weekend vis-a-vis race lens and we've got a cool new series coming up about testing racing conventional wisdom through the tools of race lens as well once again to learn more about this special limited time offer go to in the slash race lens